0: If you're visiting, we're glad you're here, and in these classes or my class, every, there's, there's, I'm not a lecturer, so anybody that has something that, to add or a question, it adds to the class, so be, feel free to jump in. Before we begin, uh, let's have a, a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day that you've given us come and assemble here. We're thankful for the family that meets here, Father. We're thankful for the hearts and the lives that we intertwine with here that builds us up, each other uh, stronger uh, in, in service to you. And Father, be with us this morning as we study from your word. Please be with the teachers, encourage and strengthen them so that they will be as effective as they can be. And Father, help me. That I can say or present your truth in a way that hits home. And Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. We were we had we had studied John and uh, up through uh, about the fifteenth chapter, and then we're going to go back to that. But what we were doing, warming up, was. Um, Reviewing the I am statements, there were seven great I am statements, and we had gone through uh, one in John 6, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, who believes in me shall never thirst. We looked at the second one, I am the light of the world. In John 8, he said, I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Looked in John 7, starting in verse, or John 10, starting in verse 7. I'm the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and go out and find good pasture. The fourth great I am in uh, that same chapter, verse 11 I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I lay down my own, and I know my own, and my own know me. And the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And these I am statements are vital to understanding God and understanding who Jesus is. We were just opening uh, in John 11. We were just looking at the fifth one. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Um, you know what, and the, the question was asked, you remember the context of this particular one in John 11 when Jesus said that? What had just happened? Specifically when him talking about being the resurrection and the life. Right, his very, his very good friend Lazarus had died. So, if we look at John 11 and, and starting in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And while Martha sat in the house, Martha. While Mary sat in the house, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then here's that I am statement. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ and the Son of God, the one who's coming into the world. Turn with me or look or make a note to yourself to go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. There's a couple of verses I'm going to look at about this resurrection, about dying and living, and then we're going to talk about something I think that's pretty critical. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter, There was some, there is a group back in that time that did not believe that Jesus rose, and there are certainly some today that believe that he didn't rise, but 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by a man came death, by a man has also come resurrection of the dead. For as Adam in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those he belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God and the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. And then also in Revelations, the first chapter, verse 17. This is John writing, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his hand, his right hand, upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the kingdom of Hades. So I asked the question um, I want to ask the question do we fear death? Should we fear death? Two different questions. And I don't necessarily, you don't need to necessarily vocally respond, but it's, it's not a very cheery subject, but do you fear death? You and that's a very critical thing, and that's, that's why I asked the question, because that's what we're going to talk about here. The Bible in Hebrews will say, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 26 beginning, For then we would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. As it is, he, being Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes the judgment." So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, but not to deal with sin, but for those who are eagerly waiting for him. So Hebrews tells us that we're going to die once. I told you last week to think this week about the fact that every one of you, every person dies twice. And the crux of that is something David mentioned at the very end, and you've just mentioned it too. We have to define death here. Hebrews is talking about when your body stops living. That is a death. When you're not here anymore. Your mail is forwarded somewhere else. You are not here on this planet anymore. But there's other death. And that's the one I'm going to talk about. Revelations, the 21st chapter is a good place for us to start. Revelations, the 21st chapter, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men." And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said, Write this, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am, I am he is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the thirsty I will give, the fountain of water of life without payment. He who conquers shall have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But, but, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, as for the murderers, the fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, All liars, their lot shall be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Which is the second death. So clearly, in that case, those people have died twice. The Bible tells us you just use your second death. Person's body dies, and you were one of those. Fornicators, liars, adulterers, sorcerers, or somebody that has absolutely no concern about your spiritual body, spiritual life, you died again. Physically, you've died once. Spiritually, you've died once. You've died twice. Now, if we look at Romans, the sixth chapter, Romans, the sixth chapter, says, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We, too, might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, we have been united with him in a death like this. And we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again, and death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So now when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. It takes on a whole new meaning. Still died twice, right? He Still died twice. This time the person dies to self. He puts on Christ in baptism. He's buried with Christ in that baptism. He's dead to sin. He rises a new creature. He's a justified child of God. And then somewhere, as Hebrews tells us, the person's body dies, they no longer live on earth, and then the judgment. They too have died twice. Only this time, since they've died to self and sin, they won't die that second death. Larry? I find a fourth one. Correct, and, and you can, we, can, we can parse it down, uh, there's another one or two, you can kind of parse it down and really, really get down into the nitty gritty of it, for me, for the class and for what I'm, what I'm trying, what I really want to present is that you're, you have no choice on one of those deaths. Disappointed for a man wants to die. I don't know when that Hebrews death is coming for me. I just don't. Um, I've clicked off 70 years. It hasn't happened yet. But it could happen tomorrow. Or I may have several more years of, you know, whatever. I don't know what the situation is. That death in Hebrews, I don't know when it's coming. God knows. I don't know. We don't know when we'll have the next breath. That's right. This other death, I have real say-so in. And that's the death that's really going to matter. Because if I, don't, if I don't care, or I think I've got the answers, or I'm a good person, or whatever, it's all going to be just fine. Or there is no God, or there is no, and that's just a big bunch of religious hoo-hoo, and whatever the case is, I will die again. A spiritual death that I cannot alter, I cannot change, and it's for eternity. Or, I can trust Jesus and I can die now to myself, my own desires, my own wants, my own put him first, die to that sin, be buried and die with him, and come up to live a new creature. Die now. And I won't die for eternity. I will live for it. And it's a very sobering thought. And and if you stop and think how much time and how much effort and how much energy and money and everything else we spend on our spiritual bodies, none. How much time and effort and money and energy do we spend on our physical bodies? A ton. And believe me, I know, it's adding up as I get older. And I'm not saying that's that's not a it's it's a good thing. But we spend so much effort working to to keep this body going as best we can and fix it and repair it and let's make it better and let's keep whatever we have to do to have this body, to keep going. We're going to live as long as we can. And we seem to give very little attention to our spiritual body. They're both going to be part of our eternity. How much time in the last month have you spent in God's Word, in prayer, in meditation, working on your spiritual body versus that doctor's appointment and those vitamins and then and and those whatever it is you're doing on your Your physical body, your physical body is going to die. It's going to die. Yes, take care of it, but it's going to die. It's gonna go. It's just there's a time. I don't know when it is, but it's gone. It's done. Right? It's gone. Your spiritual body doesn't have to also be gone for eternity. That's the point I'm trying to make. You, You have a choice in that second, that other. Death. That spiritual part. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrible. It's a, it's one of those things that's nasty to even bring up, but we, it's like life insurance, or you know, one of those things. Nobody wants to talk about it, but you really do. This is, this is just vital stuff. There's, a, there's a physical um, death, and there's a spiritual potential death, and and we just. As Danny started out. depends on which death it is. And so I just want to make sure we all understand that we, that we die twice. One, we really don't know when it's going to happen, but the other one, we can have a huge uh, say-so in that. Uh, Romans 6, 20. When you were slaves of sin, uh, you were free in regard to righteousness, but when but then what return did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now when you've been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the return you get is sanctification, and it's end, eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Death came by one man, but because of Jesus, death does not have its power over us the way it did. So it goes back. Do we should we fear death? Do we fear death? That's an, a, your own personal question. But um, because I did fear death, that's one of the things that motivated me to years and years and years ago to to become a child of God. And as I continue to grow, it was. Not just life-saving, but life-altering. But you must care. your Your spiritual, your spiritual body must be paramount to everything else. And what happens to it? You know, if we believe what uh, is taught in the Bible. We can look forward to the physical day. We can. He can. And again, it's not it's not a it's it's not meant to be a downer message, especially not this time of year. But I am I'm thankful that we have this free gift. But it is your choice, it's a choice you have to make. God does everything, but he doesn't take away your choice. And it it's 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 something that we really do need to concentrate on. And in the next grade I am even pulls you more into that if we look at that uh, in John the 14th chapter the 6th grade I am I am the way and the truth and the life and this was happened uh, up in the upper room part of that upper room discourse prior to Jesus' arrest in John the 14th chapter verse 1 let not your hearts be troubled believe in God but believe in me also in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so i would have told you that uh, uh, i would would i have told you that i go to prepare a place for you and when i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and take you to myself and where i am you may be also and you know the way where i am going and thomas thomas said to him lord we don't know where you're going how can we know the way and jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me if you had known me you would have known my Father also and henceforth you know him and you've seen him when Jesus says I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me what does that mean to you what what does that statement mean to you how many ways are there to God? One. Surely there must be more. How about if I live a good life or, or if I save somebody's life or I believe, I, I think I believe in goodness and God. I, I'm kind to of my fellow man. I, I take care of other people. I take care of the planet, for crying out loud. I promote unity. I promote love. I... Uh, would any of are any of those the way? No. No. And it's it's again it's we got we have to be honest with ourselves about this stuff. And that person that uh, you know that I knew in high school, um, that not that long ago, um, died. Quote unquote good old guy. Great, great guy to be around if you want a bunch of laughs, uh, give you the shirt off his back. Never said Jesus unless he was cussing. Um, But generally, one of them good old guys. Of course, he was all slobbered up and ran his motorcycle into a tree. But there's a little monument up there in Illinois there where he hit the tree. That like, fly high, Johnny, because, see, he's in heaven now looking down upon us all. Really? makes for a nice story, but we've got to be honest with ourselves. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Or the, these, you know, OD'd out rock and roll guys, and they're all now in, up in heaven in a big band, you know, all that kind of stuff, looking down on us, playing that God's music, Nice. Has a nice ring to it. But it's not true. It's not true. Everybody goes to heaven? Unless you're a dog. Yeah. A dog. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, yeah, if you're a dog, yeah. you're in. But it becomes that. Everybody it doesn't it doesn't become what do I need to, what does God need to help me to be to be able to spend eternity with him? It we've we have screwed this thing around the other way to go, well, what is it that you have to do to not get there? Uh, I guess you you molest or rape children or you, you murder people, or I mean I guess there's some line somewhere you don't get to go. But everybody else, as long as I mean, come on. Fly high, Johnny. We got to knock that off. We live in a world that basically is golden corral Christianity, that we can have a little bit of this and everything in this buffet of religious thinking. That, you know, if we do a little bit of this, we do a little bit of that, we're good, we're good, we're kosher, right. we're fine. And, and it sounds like, you know, you're being, I'm not trying to be judgmental or, or weed everybody out and go, you know, there's this is, it's, it, to be exclusive and trying to, these I am statements are, are meant to have people to think. He was telling them they should be thinking. He's telling us we should be thinking. And when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, nobody comes to the Father except by me. It's either true or, or, or none of this is true. And it's, you know, class dismissed, go home, we're done. It's either true or none of it's true. Well, if you want to spend eternity with God, you need to find out what you need to do by reading the words of our Savior. Well, and doing them. Absolutely. And and you notice that just to to know the fact, to know that Jesus is the way, that isn't the way. to know that uh, to, to believe that he's the way. Just put it that way. If I believe he's the way. But I'm not, but I don't it has no impact on my life. Well, that's not the way. <laughs> that's not the way. Uh, nobody comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't say nobody comes to God. Unless they understand what I just, you know, that I am his son or wh- whatever, you 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 have to know him and abide in him to 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 have any access to the Father at all. And and in times past, and in certainly the Bible times, and now that it's still that way, that there were many people, religious leaders, that says, no, we have the access. You know, you have to come through us. Or we're the ones that can deny you coming into the temple and all that stuff. No, it's, it's Jesus is the way to God. The seventh one, the final one, and now we're, in, we're finally in John 15. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Verse 1, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, and every branch of mine that bears no fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're ready, you're already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Um First of all, what makes this vine unique from any other vine? There's a phrase that he uses in the right out of the right out of the box in the first first chapter. What makes this unique this vine unique. It is a productive vine. It's a productive vine. It's the only vine. It's the what? Only vine. It's the only vine. And it, it, he says it's the true vine, which is, leads it into that. I'm the true vine. Just like he says uh, in John 1 9, he's the true light that enlightens every man. Or in John 6, where he says, I am the true bread. And the word for true that's used there in the Greek is uh, A-L-E-T-H-I-N-O-S, elithinos. And when it's used here, it means real or genuine and tips towards shades of ultimate. So it is the real, the genuine vine. It's the ultimate vine. Now listen for this word, abide, living. Pick up in verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. And I would say a little later, or in the 14th chapter, Jesus said, said there, anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come and live with them and make our home with them. Uh, Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I abide in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he's cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. So, who's the vine? What is the vine? Jesus. Jesus. Who are the branches, or what are the branches? we brothers, sisters. Us. Now, do the, do the branches have to be attached to the vine? But so much more than that. Um you can't grow nourishment without it. Right. The, but the branches have to live in the vine, and the vine has to live in the branches. What we just read was six or seven times. It specifically said living in. That's a whole lot different than just merely being attached to or part of or whatever. We're talking about living in the vine. The vine is Jesus. Do we live in him? <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a big question. Does he live in us? We live in if we live in him, he lives in us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Hmm? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Yes. And that's the, the leads me to the to the next question. Uh, what fruit are these branches to bear that we're talking about here. when though the branch doesn't bear any fruit it gets cut off. What fruit what is the fruit? Hmm? Okay. certainly be that sometimes people will say it's other souls it's, Maybe it's, all, that. it's all that and it really probably it goes back to what Larry had said you know some will say that it's the, the fruit of the spirit and some will say it's new converts but really if, you, if you're living in Christ and he's living in you When he abides in us, he's going to be evident in your life. Do you really think for a moment that the the very Son of God can live in you and nobody would know it? He has some sort of secret life inside of you. How could Jesus live in you and no one know it? It would be known. It would be known. The fruit is being Christ-like. Those fruit are a fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such, there is no law. That can certainly be part of that fruit. If you had those things, you would be living the life God would have Yes. If you those yes. And what they're going to see in you is Jesus. That's the point. How, when when this vine business, we're living in him and he's living in us. The fruit is, clearly, if Jesus is living in us, we're going to manifest who he is. You know, I had... uh, the, the little grandsons you would know, you would remember uh, the ones that are in Japan now and are getting bigger. But when they were little, we were raising them and uh, if you didn't think that, that, that Bentley especially, if you didn't think he was a mini me, you never met that guy. If I would be if I'd be doing this, Turn around, I'd bump into him because he's this tall, and he has hands his pockets. He would do, he'd be doing the exact same thing, and little phrases I would use, you know, striking out. Hey, there's the whiff. Well, we'd be playing wiffle ball or something in the backyard, and he'd miss one. And he'd go, "There's the whiff," you know, just everything. He, he just emulated you, so it was clear. He wouldn't be around him two minutes and go, well that's that's David's. <laughs> He's in him. You would really hope that Jesus would be in you that way, so that people would go, Jesus is in that in that person. They live in that person. What is this pruning business? Um, it's There's there's some pruning that goes on here. Um, You have to take grapevines and you have to prune them. If you want grapevines to produce, you've got to go back and cut them back. If you don't prune them and cut them back, they will not produce. And when it comes to our own uh, living, we look down here where God is pruning us in, in nature you're absolutely right in order to promote healthy growth there's there's a lot of times you have you have to do pruning in some things um, but why would God be pruning us I know a general statement would say to make us healthy but specifically uh, what is he doing and it's very much aligns Robbie with when you're talking about pruning real plants it's getting real uses get right there's several aspects to it when God is pruning um, one of them would one of the things would be to remove what's dead or dying because as you become more and more like Christ there are some things that are in your life that you don't need anymore that you used to have that you don't need anymore and they should be dead or dying to you. And those things sometimes need to be removed. God, when He's pruning that way, is, is is telling you to let go of those things. Let go of those things. We're not we're not bringing those now. One thing, time, uh, One of uh, another thing that He might be doing is removing what's diseased or infected. Um, that type of pruning in your life might be telling you to guard your heart and mind who you're following and listening to. Some of the people that you listened to before, we're not going to listen to them in the, in the future. What's your desires? Right. Those people that were there, we're going to cut them out because we're not, we're not listening to that. That's disease. Sometimes he's removing things that are hindering you. Um, and as you know from pruning and some of them, you, you're chopping out stuff that's actually limiting growth. So he's cutting some things in your life that might be good things, but they're not good for you. Not now. And what holds people back a lot um, is, is just the, their habits and their mindsets. And so he's changing some of those. Sometimes he's pruning to keep you focused and on the right track. Um, we have holly bushes in the back that just started out as bushes. We'll put them there. I can't kill them now, and uh, you, they'll, they'll grow into each other, and and, I mean, they're just, they're, 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 and you, the more you prune, the more vibrant they get and vigorous they get, but if you just let them go, they just become a gnarled up mess that, that really isn't good for anything, and there's some things that he's taking from you that is going to help keep you on the right track. So um, I, I really appreciate you know this morning because these are these are this little section or this little stuff. It's it's some hard stuff, um, talking about dying in your in your physical body, your spiritual body, and talking about God pruning you and 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 and, and that hurts sometimes, uh, and talking about that there's really only one way to God, and, and those things are they're hard things. But, we, but they're true, and we have, to, we have to know those things because all the other stuff doesn't, doesn't matter. It's a lot of waving around and dust in the air if we don't have these very, very core basic things that, that, that we're going to die, and our souls matter, and we have a choice in what happens to our souls for eternity, and it's about Jesus, and he's the only way. There's no new age. We're not waiting for a new discovery. We're not waiting for another Messiah. We're not waiting for more revelation. We have it all. It's Jesus. He is the way. And there may be some pain involved with that. We may have to change our lives. There may be some pruning. People we were with, we're not with anymore. Things we used to do in the dark, we're not doing anymore. Things change, and that matters. And, and, play and pitch free, make and right, and and that happens spiritually, even even on a smaller scale. Like this church family here, if you aren't here, or well you have you feel bad, you're feeling sick that day, it should bother you. You should go. I miss my church family. And then the next week, maybe something comes up, and the next one, and then pretty soon, you're you're not with the, you go, well, I can do this. I'll read my Bible at home. It's me and Jesus anyway. And a couple of those people are just hypocrites. And, and you get away from the vine and you, you will die. You just die spiritually. Your attitude, everything just dies. And that's, that's one of them. It's just to, to get some things out that, it that it, they're not bad things in and of themselves, they're but, the, but they're bad for you right now because yeah. they're in the way of. And I know sometimes parents get in that bind. They'll have children, they'll have three children, they're all all state athletes or whatever they are, and we've got to go here this weekend and that thing and this thing. And then it's just it's a constant, constant thing. And, and it's great. It's a blessing. It's wonderful that the child's gifted and the family's way to go. But sometimes during that course, that little arc, there are families that suffer spiritually because they, they've got, they're putting so much resources and energy into some stuff that might need to be pruned down a little bit, you know, things like that. You know, uh, even bad people can do good things. Are you talking about me again? Examples that we might want to follow because somebody's doing something good just because they're doing something good does not mean that they're the ones you need to follow no, that's true that's true, And discernment comes into that anyway, I thank you very much for your uh, you know, your, your attentiveness this morning and next week uh, and from there on we're in, we're in the 15th chapter and it gets much more uplifting and much more pleasant but thank you again